we had a little discussion about this this morning and said, well, we used to have church before we had computers and screens and all that stuff. And um, someone said, well, what, what did we do then? I, what did the people do? I said, well, mostly they slept, but uh, some of them survived and actually got something out of it. So feel free to do whatever you feel best doing today. We're going to start as if everything's going along normally, and we're going to pray that uh, everything will get to be normal. I will say this, though, for the benefit of those of you that have a spiritual side to you. The devil's really, 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 really been attacking lately. I'm not going to hold back on you. I'm going to tell you the truth. And uh, this is just another example. There are certain messages he does not want preached. There are certain things that we do. He just intervenes and interferes because he doesn't want those things done. So we're going to keep moving ahead. Are you with me? I hope it's we, not just I. And we're going to keep uh, trudging, and we're going to walk by faith this morning. We're going to believe that God's going to do something great here in our service today. And I know that when you come out afterwards, you're going to say, I'm glad I was there, and the music was great. I sang my own songs, made up my own lyrics, and (laughs) I like free churches. Those are great churches. All right. If you have your Bible with you, and if you can see... Or if you don't have your little pen light with you, I'm going to just tell you right now, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 14. And for once, I'm not going to be jumping around to eight different places at once. I'm going to be in Exodus chapter 14. And I'm going to start at verse 10. I'm reading from the message. Um, I, I had some stuff ready to go on the screen uh, for out of the uh, NIV, and which we, we use a lot here. And then I decided I was going to use the, the, the message because it was just so down-to-earth today's language that we, all can, uh, that we all can relate to. So let's have a word of prayer and ask God to just take over. Father, thank you for this holy hush that has just settled here, and thank you for your presence we thank you for the promise of your power. We know that your word is all-powerful. It'll never, ever return to you void, but it'll accomplish everything that you have a purpose for it to accomplish. And so we thank you for that. And I just pray that you'll give clarity and uh, that, you, that, that this morning you will, um, you will give freedom, freedom to uh, profess the word and to, and to declare it and freedom to hear it and to apply it. So, Lord, we all have a a job to do here this morning, and we just pray that we will be about doing what you would have us to do as we listen, as we hear, and then as we take the action steps that are necessary. And, Lord, just with the equipment and all the things that are happening behind the scenes, Lord, we know that you superintend all of that. We know that you are in control, and we thank you for that. Lord, we just realize sometimes how much you are in control and how much we need you and how much we depend on you. Help us never to depend on ourselves or, or those things that are around us, but help us to have a total dependency on you, Lord. And so we do. And Holy Spirit, have your way now working through this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. I'm going to read then for you uh, and with you Exodus chapter 14. Usually I say you can follow on the screen. You can if you you have some kind of telepathic, uh, (laughs) yeah, if you have that ability. But uh, otherwise, just listen because it's a great story. Exodus chapter 14, starting at verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, I'll give you the background of this in a moment. The Israelites looked up and saw them. Egyptians! Egyptians! coming at them. 
They were totally afraid. They cried out in terror to God. Verse 11. They told Moses, um, weren't the cemeteries large enough in Egypt so that you had to take us out of here into the wilderness to die? What have you done to us taking us out of Egypt? Back in Egypt, didn't we tell you this would happen? Didn't we tell you, leave us alone here in Egypt? We're better off as slaves in Egypt than as corpses in the wilderness. Verse 13, Moses spoke to the people, Don't be afraid. Stand firm and watch God do his work of salvation for you today. Take a good look at the Egyptians today, for you're never going to see them again. I'm sure they had no idea what he was saying. God will fight the battle for you, and you, you got gutsy here, you keep your mouth shut. In verse 15, God said to Moses, why cry out to me? Speak to the Israelites, order them to get moving. And Moses, hold your staff high, stretch your hand out over the sea, split the sea. The Israelites will walk through the sea on dry ground. Let me set the background for you. First off, let me just tell you, if I had a title for this message, it would be, Why Cry? The children of Israel have just been delivered from the strong oppressive hand of Pharaoh and the Egyptian rulers, and God, with his mighty deliverance, has brought them out of Egypt. That's what they longed for, for decades, for years, for years and years. They were in the land of slavery. They knew nothing, some of them, but oppression. They had started their journey with high hopes and with great expectations toward the land of promise. They were heading now to the land that God had promised to give them and where God was going to develop them and where God was going to establish them and where God was going to pour out phenomenal blessings upon them. But they've only marched now a few days and suddenly they seem to be stopped in their journey. And the Bible says, even if we went back to verse 9, just one prior to where I started, it records that they have encamped by the sea. Before them is the great Red Sea. On either side of them is a mountain. Behind them, Pharaoh and his army closing in fast. Now on the surface, if you're a military tactician, that would tell you that you're hopelessly trapped. Before you, a great sea. On either side, a mountain heading behind you, fast approaching you, the enemy. On the, surf, on the surface, it seemed like this is it, it's over. For all practical purposes, there was no way out. But in the midst of chaos and confusion, the people come to the leader. They come to Moses and they cry to him. And as they cry to him, Moses goes to God. And he says, God, what, what do you want me to do? These people are getting ready to stone me, and what in the world do you want me to do? I, I, they're unruly. They're unreasonable. I can't seem to get through to them. I don't know what you want me to do. Here's an interesting thing that struck me the other day, and maybe it'll strike you. Israel had trusted God for their deliverance, but not for their circumstances. Hello? Hello, 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 hello. 
Israel had, and some of you, as I, as I look out and I think of the history that we have together and I think of the things you've gone through, it just seems like it was never a matter of doubting God's deliverance, but it was always dealing with the circumstances. Now, this nation had trusted God to deliver them. They're out of Egypt. They're gone from Egypt. And they're heading to the promised land. And now they can't handle the circumstances. And you know, that's not new. If you look throughout the Bible, why King David despaired, the great king of Israel, he said, I will perish one day at the hands of Saul. Elijah the prophet hid in a cave, and he asked God to take his life, 1 Kings 19. And you know, if we are Christians, we trusted him to save us from sin, but all too often, we don't trust him with our everyday circumstances. I didn't mean this early on in the message to cut that close to the cotton, but I'm going to say it again just so we all catch it. As Christians, we trusted him to save us from sin and to deliver our eternal soul. But all too often, we don't trust him with our everyday circumstances. Yeah? Now, no secret, there are a lot of things that cause us not to trust. One thing that's very prominent is if you're diagnosed with a disease for which there's no cure. It's hard to keep trusting right there. Uh, another thing is if you have more months than you do money. Too much month at the end of the money. Some people think money brings happiness. Let me just tell you, I just thought the other day, money doesn't always bring happiness. I mean, people with $10 million are no happier than people with $9 million. <laughs> Another thing that will cause us to kind of lose perspective, if we have a child who just continues to refuse to do it right, or we have a spouse that has rejected our, our love and has rejected us as a person, or, you, or we lose a job, or we lose a position, or we're, we lose our home, or whatever it might be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, good morning, Israel. God tells Moses, there is but one thing to do. Get up and go forward. He said, I didn't bring you out to take you back. I didn't bring you out to forsake you now. I didn't bring you out to camp here, not even halfway along the journey. This is not the land of promise. There's much, much more. There's nothing to go back to. All that's left is to go forward. And likewise, friends, the Lord would tell us today, there's nothing to go back to. If you go back, you'll be destroyed or you'll have to return to slavery. And if you don't pull up those stakes now, you'll probably be destroyed anyway. And the best thing for you to do, matter of fact, the only thing left to do is to rise up and go forward. To the church, I believe the Lord would say, the fields are white under harvest. I want you to do what I want you to do. And I want you to rise up and go do those things that I've called you to. The things that I've asked you to do in my name. 
I want you to forget the past. I want you to forget Egypt. I want you to forget the pain and agony of the past. I want you to bury it, and I want you to go forward. To individuals like you, like me, the Lord would say, what you need to do is get up, stop sleeping and be lazy, stop wallowing in your pity, stop wallowing in your agony and enjoying your pain, and go forward. Stop wallowing in your bitterness and anger. Go forward. Stop enjoying where you are. Go forward. You see, before the church can go forward, you and I as individuals must go forward because it is individuals that make up the church. Zig Ziglar said this, and um, I wish we had this on the screen and maybe it'll come up before we're done. And if it doesn't, we'll try to get you some of these things. But Zig said, how you see your future is much more important than what happened in your past. We don't live there. We don't live life in the rearview mirror. The windshield is much bigger than the rearview mirror. And what you see in your future is much more important than what you, whatever happened in your past. You ever heard people sit around and complain because the church is dry and cold and the church really needs a spiritual revival? They really need, the church really needs a shot in the arm? But they never seem to be concerned to let revival start with them. And here's what you and I need to realize, that we as individuals are what make up the church. And for the church to have revival and go forward, you and I must have revival and go forward. The church can't do anything until you or I do. Why? Because we are the church. Uh, I don't know if anybody brought it to your attention, but it's 2014. And that, well spent, almost. That means we're in a brand new millennium. The way things are going, as I read my Bible, it can't be long before the Lord will come back. Right. Yeah, probably some of you living now, sitting here, will live to see that day. I hope you do. Let me say this, church. Now is not the time to get lazy. Not the time to be satisfied with where we are. Not the time for taking up all time and money and resources and energy on me, 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 me. Now is not the time to put our, drive those stakes deeper. Now is the time to pull those stakes, rise up, and go forward. We're to be constantly moving forward until Jesus comes. You know what he said? He just put it in one simple little sentence. He said, occupy till I come. Keep going forward. Keep anticipating. Keep expecting. Keep living like it were going to happen today and go forward. I mean, what in the world would we ever want to go back for? There's nothing in the world worth going back for. Why would you want to go to the left or to the right? There's nothing there. Why would you want to stay where you are and be destroyed? There's nothing left to do. Remember, a great sea in front of us, mountains on either side. The Egyptians are fast approaching from the rear. There's nothing left to do. It seems impossible, but we must go forward. Now, I know that many people had rather stay where they are and just camp out, and they're kind of enjoying the view. Oh, yeah, we like it where we are. I went through some tough times, but, oh, boy, I found the Lord, and I'm a Christian, and I did all those things they said to do, and I'm just kind of on cruise control now. 
just kind of coasting. Really like it here. The view's great. And you know what we do as Christians? We become satisfied and comfortable right where we are. Then there's some people who are just depressed most of the time. They seem to like it. There are other people who are angry. They're so angry they've almost forgotten what made them angry in the first place. But they're enjoying that anger because it just gives them something to hang on to. We like not being active in the church, some people. We like the place of bitterness. God is calling us out of those comfort zones. God is calling us out of those those areas and calling us out of those places where we've camped out many times too long and he wants us to go forward and he doesn't want to see us destroyed and he doesn't want to see our testimony to no effect. Now, you may be asking, why do we need to go forward? Why is going forward so important? Well, let's look at several reason why, uh, reasons why it's important, why it's vital for us to go forward. And what I'd like to do is, again, I'm just going to go back into Exodus chapter 14 and kind of break down those six or seven verses into bite sizes. And the first thing I want to say is, this is important because we want to stay off what I call the faith to fear road. And verse 10 says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and saw them, Egyptians, coming at them. They were totally afraid, and they cried out in terror to God. Let me just say that when you fail to go forward, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to stop walking by faith, and you're going to start living by fear. The minute you stop going forward and making progress in your spiritual walk, the next thing you know, you're going to find yourself no longer walking in faith, but living in fear. And I don't say that glibly because that's a very serious, serious thing. Instead of putting your trust in God and in his word, you begin to believe more of the lies of the devil. And the devil will put the fear of sickness and death and bankruptcy and failure and all those other things into your life when, the, when God's word says you can have victory over all those things. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. More than conquerors. We're more than winners. We're more than victors. And sometimes we just try to spend our lives just trying to eke out the next little victory when the word of God says you are more than a victor. You are more than a conqueror through Christ who loved you and gave himself for you. Now, when they came out of Egypt that day, and went, let's go back and, and picture that in our mind's eye, best we can. <laughs> I, I, I can I, we're heading to the promised land, folks. Come on. Get in the parade. I don't believe that there was a speck of doubt or fear in even one person's heart that day. I really don't. I believe they marched out of there singing the songs of Zion. I believe the tambourines were playing and the people were dancing and rejoicing in the Lord because that's what Jewish people do when they get real excited about God. And they were on their way out of bondage to Canaan land and they were going forward. And as long as they were moving in that direction, what was the direction? Forward. They were full of faith and everything was all right. But they had to be going what direction? Forward. But the minute they stopped going forward, faith was replaced with fear. Now, instead of an army full of faith singing the victory song of Zion and marching toward Canaan, they're like a bunch of scattered sheep, as we see here in verses 9, 10, and, and on. 
And they're just crying and wailing in the wilderness and they're filled with fear. Now, do you know that fear has two meanings? If you take that word and break it down, make an acrostic out of it, F-E-A-R, it can mean forget everything and run. Or it can mean face everything and rise. But see, that choice is yours to make. Now, dear man or woman, hear me today. If you're here and you're filled with fear, it's a very good sign that you stopped somewhere along the way here in your spiritual journey. And your spiritual progress has been stunted. And as we say, you're treading water. Somewhere along the way, you've camped by the sea, verse 9, and faith is, has been or is being replaced with fear. And unless you pull up those stakes and get on the move again, you are in serious trouble. Can I say that again? Unless you pull up those stakes and get on the move again, you are in serious trouble. How easy it is to enjoy where we are. How easy it is to be satisfied with where we are. But that's not what God wants for us. He wants to replace that fear with faith, and that comes by going God said to the, to, Mo, to the Israelites through Moses, why cry? Why cry? Second thing that I want to say to you about why this is all so important and so important to keep going forward is that you not slip into the pattern of what we call bitter complaints. Verse 11, they told Moses, there wasn't a little bit of sarcasm here, was there? Weren't the cemeteries large enough in Egypt so that you had to take us out of here into the wilderness to die? What have you done to us taking us out of Egypt? All those years living in slavery and bondage, and just days later they're asking Moses, what do you think you are doing taking us out of there. Like they were living some cushy life in the five-star resort or something. Next, you're going to start murmuring and complaining. Boy, that's one thing about the Israelites as we follow their history through many books of the Old Testament. It didn't take them long once they left faith and went to fear for them to start murmuring and complaining and murmuring and complaining. It wasn't too long before fear replaced that faith, and then complaining set in, and they start complaining to Moses. They blame all the problems on Moses, of course. They wouldn't want to assume any of the responsibility, and we still have people like that today. Usually the problem is not with, and in situations, large people, uh, uh, gatherings of people like that, it's usually not with the leadership, it's with the followers. Complaining is a sure sign of no forward progress. And when forward progress stops, complaining starts, and murmuring continues, instead of being a marching, victorious army, they're standing around looking at each other and pointing to Moses and murmuring and complaining, listen, against Moses and against God, the God who brought them out of Egypt. Now, we're getting into some serious stuff here. But let me just warn you, New Testament Christian, it happens every time. I've heard people say, so Bob, where's God in this? Where's God in what, what's going through now in my, what I'm going through in my life? 
Be careful how you, how you, how you charge God. Be, ca- be careful how you accuse the giver of life and the sustainer of life. You want to know who the murmurs and complainers are? They're the people who stop going forward. They're the people who are not growing in the Lord anymore. They did for a while. They were excited about that. They were, they were singing and dancing and praising and going on. But when you're going forward with God up front where the action is, then you don't have time to complain. You don't have time to think about complaining because you're moving forward. And when you're spending time with the Lord and you're in prayer and you're in his word and you're making progress in spiritual journey, there's no room for complaining. And why would you anyway? Because if you're spending time in prayer and in the word and in your spiritual journey, you're getting more intimate with God all the time and you're in a closer relationship than you've ever been. And you just want more. And the more you get, the more you want. Okay. And it's got to be true because five people agreed with me. And when I say that, it doesn't mean that nothing's wrong. I'm going to just make a statement for you, and I want you to ruminate on this all week. Something is always wrong. And it's all wrapped up in a little four-letter word. Let me get it slow for you so you can write it in your notes. I don't have it on the screen. L-I-F-E. There's always something wrong. Don't come up to somebody and say, so what's wrong? You have opened a can of worms that you don't want to look at nor deal with. Stay away from that. Life isn't always pleasant. Can anybody say amen? amen. Things don't always go to suit us. Huh? If they did, some of you wouldn't even be here this morning because you like, now nah, life's all together. I don't need that. <laughs> But when you're going forward with your eye on the promised land, you don't have time to stop. You don't have time to look around. You don't have time to look at your leader, look at your fellow uh, traveler. You don't have time to murmur. You don't have time to complain. You don't have time to accuse God. You just don't have time for that stuff. And so God said to Moses, Why cry? Why are you crying? Look what's been done. Look where you're headed. Look what you've been promised. And, and the promise of God is always something that's already done and ready for you. You just have to take it. You apprehend it. Just appropriate it to yourself. It's not something now, well, if I make a certain point and I do certain this and that and something else, then I might get. No, there's no might to it. If he promised, he delivers. Jesus will save all who come to him by faith. Do you believe that? I do. It's not, well, if they come and if they do, and if they're not bad, and if they, if. The other thing I would say why this is so important to go forward is you don't want to hit what I call the backsliding slope. Verse 12. (laughs) Some of these things just. They even amaze me that they're in history, let alone in the Bible. Back in Egypt, didn't we tell you, Moses, this would happen? (laughs) You experts, you. That's why you're the leader, and he isn't. What? Didn't we tell you, leave us alone here in Egypt? We're better off as slaves in Egypt than as corpses in the wilderness. Ain't joking now. They're getting nasty. 
Why? Because they're on the backsliding slope. That's why. They said to Moses, why don't you just, I, I this boggles my brain. Why don't you just take us back to Egypt? It would have made a lot more sense for them to say, why don't you just let us go in the Red Sea and drown? We'll have a big pool party and then we'll all drown. Next wave comes in. I mean, let's go back to Egypt. Are you kidding? It'd be better. That's why Moses is the leader and they're not. It'd be better for us if we were back in Egypt. Oh, would it? Yeah, you like making those bricks out of nothing, don't you? You like playing with that mud. So the Egyptians can build something and then tear it down and make, so you can make some more. That's called bondage. Can you imagine? They'd just been brought out from under the whip, literally, of Pharaoh. And two or three days out, they're standing there saying, Oh, well, Moses... We'd really be better off in Egypt. Moses, you know what? Moses did a pretty good job here in Exodus 14. Can I just say this? To keep it together. I've been a leader for a lot of years. I would have flipped my lid. I would have said, well, that's the way right there if you want to go. Have at it. We're, we're going forward. I ask you why anyone in their right mind or even approaching it would want to go back to Egypt. Egypt represents the world. Egypt represents sin. Egypt represents bondage. Egypt represents slavery. Yet we still have a lot of people looking over their shoulders. A lot are looking to the left and to the right in every other direction. And you want to know why? Because they stopped going forward. They've stopped moving in the direction that God wants them to go. It's amazing. It's amazing that we still have these same people in our world today. And people are still acting the same way. I, I, I want you to hear this. If we stop going forward, eventually we are going backward. I wish I hadn't had to say that. I, I, I wasn't prepared to... I, I don't know what else to say, but I have to say it. If we stop, and if you stop going forward, eventually you're going to be going backward. There's no neutral here. And you don't have to uh, respond to this. Matter of fact, I would prefer you didn't. But do you ever find yourself missing some of the things of the past? Do you ever find yourself wishing you could go back and do some of the things that you used to do? Do you ever find yourself wishing you could have some of the friends, quote unquote, that you used to have? Or be involved in some of the activity that you used to be involved with, which was not too complimentary? Because if you do, that's a good sign that you've stopped going forward. My friend, when the past looks better than the future, you've stopped going forward. And so God comes to Moses and he speaks to Moses. 
and in essence speaks to all of Israel, and he says, so why cry? Why are you crying? Why is this so important that we keep going forward? Well, let me say that when we're going forward, even as we're going forward, and even as we make that decision to go forward, I'm praying that some of you will today, that that's when words of faith are needed. Now look at what Moses said in verses 13 and 14. Moses spoke to the people. If I'd been the Holy Spirit writing, I'd have said, Moses finally spoke to the people. Don't be afraid. Of course, of all the things to say to them, number one. See, he knew fear was taking over because when faith leaves, what comes? Fear. He said, don't be afraid. Stand firm and watch God do his work of salvation for you today. So Moses is taking it totally off his own shoulders and saying, here you go. (laughs) It's go time. Take a good look at the Egyptians today for you're never going to see them again. You'd think the tambourines would have broken out then too, right? They'd be dancing in the street. And here's what he says, the word of faith. God will fight the battle for you, and you, you just keep your mouth shut. That's the message. That's exactly what it says. Moses had already seen God do some pretty marvelous things. God knew he was, uh, Moses knew he was dealing with a God of the great and mighty. He knew God would see them through, but God said, we need to move forward in faith. Can I also say another, I'll just add a little sideline here for those of you who are wondering about this. It's not really tied to it, and yet it is. Confession is not necessarily moving forward. You say, yes, Bob, but but, but I confess that I'd sinned against God and did evil in his sight, and that's good. And you're forgiven, and that's the past. That's not enough. I'm going to say this hopefully slow enough that we can get it in the notes, those of you that are trying. God bless you. And I want you to think about it before you judge my statement here. Faith is only faith. Faith is only faith. if you act upon it. I have people all the time, almost every day of my life, tell me they have faith. Oh, I have faith. I have great faith. No, if you have faith, actions are going to follow. I'll say that again. Faith is only faith if you act upon it. Also, look at this. If you aren't going forward, you're hindering somebody behind you from going forward. And I said, I want to get the background so you're still picturing. And I hope you're still picturing this. Here's Moses leading this great band of people. Uh, There aren't thousands of Israelites. There aren't even hundreds of thousands. They're in the millions. The only time that physically and with my own, my naked eye, I ever saw more than a million people was at the Stand in the Gap men's ministry in the Washington Mall in 1997. Some estimates went as high as two million. I can't start to explain what that looks like. You say a sea of people, that doesn't do it. It just, it, it, 
It's inexplicable. You can't until you're in the midst of something like that. But the thing that was the most impressive to me, one of the speakers was preaching to the men directly, and all the men all of a sudden just went down on the ground, their faces on the ground, crying out to God for whatever the need was in their heart. It was the most awesome. You could have heard a pin drop. Now, I want you to picture Moses standing in front of one or two or three million Israelites. They've just come out of Egypt. They're heading for the promised land. There's the great Red Sea in front of them. There's a mountain on either side. Pharaoh and his army, who Pharaoh had changed his mind, by the way, and decided he didn't want to let them go, so he's going to go get them before they hit the the shore. And uh, there's this great mass of people. Now, if you aren't... Picture that in your mind, and let me say again what I said a minute ago. If you aren't going forward, you are hindering somebody behind you from going forward. Let me explain. Even if there was only a million people in that valley, the people in the 50th row couldn't go anywhere until people in the first row or the 49th row actually moved. There are a lot of people standing behind you. You may not even identify who they are right now, but they're watching you and they're waiting for you to make the right move and they're waiting for you to go forward. Moms and dads, leaders, wherever you are, whatever you work at, whatever you do in the church, there are children just waiting for you to stop fussing and get back on the right path and start moving forward like you used to do. And if mom and dad would do it, the children would do it. You ever thought that you might be holding your children back because you're the one who's supposed to be setting the example? And if you fail to go forward, then they probably will also. I'm telling you, the people in row 50 of all those Israelites couldn't do anything if the people in row 1 weren't moving. I wonder how many are standing behind us. I wonder how many are there just waiting for us to make the right move, to take the right step, to exercise the right kind of faith, and then get up and move forward before they move. Oh, but Bob, people shouldn't use that as an excuse. I, I understand. I agree with you. But whether we like it or not, people are watching us, and because we aren't going forward, they won't go forward. And I know I, for one, I don't want to hold anybody else back. So I want to ask, who's standing behind you, waiting for you to move? Because they can't move until you do. I wonder. It's bad enough to think that I could be at a standstill in my own life and not moving forward, but to think that I was preventing someone else from making progress, that's even worse. So God comes to Moses and he says, so why cry? Why all the boo-hooing? Why all the belly aching? What's the matter? Why is this so important, friends, that we rise up, pull up stakes, and move forward? I'll tell you why. Because when you fail to go forward, you'll prevent yourself from seeing the miraculous.
But God, I, I, I don't know about going forward. There's a big sea ahead of us. And how are we going to get across? I, I think I'll stay here because it, to stay here, it just takes a little bit of faith. So how do you keep moving forward? Let's talk about practical terms just for a minute before I read those last two verses. How, how do I go forward, Bob, when everything in life seems to be going wrong? Remember what I said a few minutes ago? There is always something wrong. How do I keep going? How do I claim faith when everything seems like failure? Well, first off, you keep your wits about you and rock solid in your commitment and you keep your purpose in mind for taking the road less traveled. And and you've had a, a destination in mind when you started and when you got on this adventure called Living Life, You had a plan. Don't abandon it. You're going to take some hits. A lot of those hits are going to hurt. Good news, huh? That's why we're here today, so I could build you up and make you feel real good. You'll have times when you think, I can't take another punch. You'll have to take that punch in order to achieve your goals. Uh, It's called life. Not fair, not fair, not fair. Oh, have I got good news for you. Nothing about life is fair. I bet you are. How many already figured that out? It's not about fair. Whoever said, if you do such and so on and this and that and follow chapter 1 and verse 5 through 22, everything will be fair. Haven't found that yet. My goal today is to encourage you not to give up. My goal is to encourage you not to throw in the towel, no matter what life or obstacles or naysayers are throwing at you. I can hear you now. Well, thanks, Bob, but how exactly can I make it? This is getting tough and tougher every day, and I just feel discouraged, and I'm not sure uh, that, I, that I have what it takes. Well, let me say this. You have what it takes, especially if you know the Lord today. Because Christ's living in you. That's your hope of glory. And the only way you discover that it factor that's required in order to achieve your dream is by sticking with it. See it through. Take the hits. Get up again. Down. Get up again. Fight another day, if you will. Look fear in the eye and say, I am walking in faith, oh foolish one, and I am not falling for your nonsense. I am rising up and going forward. Seriously, face the fear. Say, move out of the way, fear, because I know where I'm going and you're not going to stop me. You have to stay with it, folks. You have to keep your affirmations close at hand. Even say them on a regular basis. Even journal them. Even if it's a short journal entry, that's fine. You'll discover in time, it might be a few months, it might be years, it could only be days. I love this. That the obstacles become smaller... Either that or your determination becomes bigger. See, it's fear, as I said earlier, or faith. You decide. Fear will keep you scared. And it'll keep you in an emotional basket case. And the imaginings of your mind will paint the most horrible pictures. 
Faith, on the other hand, empowers and inspires you to push through because you know that you're in pursuit of something big and you know that you serve someone bigger. So you have a vision or a picture in your mind's eye of where you're going and who's in charge. Hey, listen, I want to tell you something, that whenever I've wanted to quit, in over 40 years, I've wanted to quit every Monday morning. Bar none. Oh, I did miserably yesterday. Oh, I want to, I want to throw in the towel. Oh, I can't. Oh, nobody cares. I don't even want to go to that church. Nobody likes me. Then I look at my wife and I look at my children and I look at that church family and I thought, oh God, I can't quit. They're watching me. I didn't want them to think I was a quitter. I just wanted to be the example of what was possible if I had determination and if I had time and if I had persistence and if I had a focused effort and I kept that focus in, uh, squarely in mind. And I, I, don't, I don't know what you're pursuing today. I don't know where you are today. I don't even know what's the most important thing for you today. But I know this, you better be crystal clear in your mind of what it is you're trying to accomplish or you'll never do it. If you don't have a really big vision as to what it is you're after, you could become just another casualty in this jungle that we call human life. You need to adopt and apply action steps. And I'm going to ask you to do that today. You have to have a plan. Until then, as Walt Disney used to say, I love this quote, keep moving forward. Woo! Thank you, Walt. Verse 15. God said to Moses, why cry? Speak to those Israelites and order them to get moving. And you, Moses, hold your staff high. And then stretch your hand out over that sea and split the waters. The Israelites will walk through the sea on dry ground. That, my friend, was the word of the Lord. Wow. In essence, God said, Moses, you tell those people to rise up and get moving. And Moses obeyed and he took the first step and did what God told him to do. As soon as he did, the winds began to blow. And the waters began to roll back on every side. God always moves when we're willing to obey him and take the first step of faith that he asks. How many times does the Bible say when the priest moved, or when the, when the trumpet sounded, or when the army shouted, then God did the miraculous time after time after time. So often we have it backwards. Friends, I'm so sorry to say this, but so often you and I have it backwards. We say, well, yeah, if, and maybe somebody's sitting here today and you've said it and maybe just been saying it. Yeah, if God would do something, just something, anything, then I would do something. No, 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 no. Save your breath, no. Something's wrong. That's all wrong. It doesn't work that way. God says, you take me at my word. God says, you step into that water. God says, you start rising up. God says, you take your next step and make sure it's forward. And when you do, then I'll slip my hand under you 
And I'll be there to see you through. And I'll do the miraculous. You don't have to do it. You don't have to look to Moses to do it. I'll do it. I've promised. See, God's waiting on you and me. And if you're willing to take the step to go forward, God will part your sea. God will destroy your enemy. God will do the miraculous. You say, well, only a miracle now is going to do it for me, Bob. What do you mean, only a miracle? Can I just say something else, church? We as Christians? We, we, we don't pray for miracles like we ought to. And one of the reasons is because even if we did, we don't know how to expect the miracle. I've had people say, yeah, they've tried everything, but I guess it'll just take a miracle, or, or I guess it'll... I, I, I say, well, you want me to keep praying? About it? Well, yeah, I guess it wouldn't hurt. No, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't say that to be funny. That's, those are the kind of things I've heard for many years. See, we don't have to wait until the only possible thing that could make the situation better would be a miraculous act of God. We ought to be praying for the miraculous act of God before we ever get in that situation. That's a big sea out there. Those are big mountains over there. That's a big army over there and they don't look very friendly. And God says, if you'll just behave, if you'll just settle down, if you'll just come back to faith instead of living in fear and expect the miraculous, the miraculous will happen as soon as you put your toe in that water. That sea will be parted and you'll be walking on dry ground. Tell me that's not a miracle. I have people all the time say, well, I don't know those things. I don't, I don't, I don't think I believe the miracles of the Bible. My answer's always been, it still remains today, well then miracles aren't for you. Miracles are for those who believe in them and expect them and pray for them and ask, we say, well I don't believe that story there. Jonah, he got swallowed by that big fish and he was in I said, I, I'd believe it if it said he had a four-room bed, furnished bedroom in there with hot coal running water and chambermaids and I don't, they folded the towels like little elephants every night. I don't care what that, if you don't believe the miracle, it wasn't for you. I believe it. Because I believe he can do miracles. I've seen him do miracles. I want to see him do many more. I want him to do a miracle in your life if you're struggling right now. But it isn't going to happen by us saying, well, if God would just do something, then I'd do something. You go forward. You take that first step. You watch him part the sea. You watch the enemy scatter. And you watch God do the miraculous. You say, well, Bob, do you know, what is God's will for our church? That's a good question. I think the answer is certainly found in our message this morning. What is God's will for us? I mean, as individuals. God keeps coming to the Israelites and he keeps saying, why cry? Why are you crying? Now, now let me just tell you something. 
Let me tell you something. Can I confess? And when you hear this, you won't laugh? No, no, because if somebody confesses to you, you should never laugh. You've got to take it seriously. I was awake all night. I never slept a wink. I wasn't worried, but I'm telling you, Satan is on the prowl. The Bible says he walketh about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I think he was trying to tell me, you, can't, you don't need to preach that message tomorrow. That message will just fall so flat, it'll be like a pancake. We walk in here this morning. I didn't feel well. I didn't feel well when I stepped up here, physically. God's given me more energy than I ever thought I'd have. I didn't think I'd make it this far. And then I got the news at about 9.30. All the computer stuff is down. There's a virus. There's something got in there. Not a virus. It's Satan. How come we don't call... Where's that computer doctor that was up there? How come we don't call our viruses Satan? There's a satanic attack in here. So what did I do? I just had to withdraw because there was so much stress in the building. And I just prayed and asked God for a miracle. Voila! And that's all because I'm such a great prayer warrior. No. No. Worse there is. It's because we have a God who does miracles. If we believe in Him. Don't ask for a miracle if you're not expecting it. And I've had people say, well, I've prayed for Him to intervene and to do a miracle, but, you know, I don't imagine it'll happen. I don't imagine it will either. You just killed it. So why worry and why cry and why fuss? Why cry? Why cry? Why cry? I just keep hearing those words. Why cry? Why cry? Well, the answer is here in two words. You're going to help me with them because you know the second word. Go forward. Now, I'm going to have a call, what I call a, a bias to action call. In a moment, we're going to have a song. It was going to come from our Media Shout system. I don't know where it's coming from. No, we've got some live people. Maybe, maybe not. Here's what I want you to do. I want to have prayer with you. I want to have prayer for you. Whatever you need. But I want, when this song starts, I want you, if... God has spoken to you today. I don't, I don't want you to just do something for the sake of doing it. We don't do this very often here. But I just felt compelled. Maybe this is what Satan was trying to tell me. Don't do that. Don't do, you don't need to do that. You don't need to get people to have a bias to action. Just Here's what I want you to do. If God has spoken to your heart and he's moved you to go forward, I want you just to stand up and I want you to move out to the nearest aisle or to an open space, not just stand there by your chair. If you've slowed down, if you stopped, or if you've started to go backward, I want you to stand on that open spot and promise God that from this moment on, you are going to go forward. And you know what I want you to do at that point when you make that decision in your heart? I want you to take a literal 
step forward. If you sincerely mean what you just said in your heart and in your mind. Individuals, I want you to come if you've got a need. If it's friends and there's been some friction or there's something going on, you come together. If it's a couple, you come together. If it's a parent and a child situation, you come together. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not, you're not yet Christian, but you're listening intently, and you know you want what Christ offers, and you want to take that great first step towards God. Then I want you to do the same thing. Just step out into an open area and take a step forward and say, God, I want Jesus in my life, and then I want you to speak to someone before you leave this building today. It can be me, it can be Pastor Todd, it can be anyone, any of us. Okay? Now, then... Once you've done that, and before we move into our, the rest of our worship, I'll have prayer for you. So we're going to start our song, I think.